Good morning. Hey, I'm excited to share this announcement with you before the message this morning. This Wednesday, August the 1st, our Bible study starts back up. So I hope you will be able to join us. You say, what are we going to be learning about this fall, August, September, October, November? God is going to take us on a journey looking at the life of Abraham, learning to live by faith. Out of all the personages that are mentioned in the Bible, the number one most mentioned person in the Bible is obviously the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, Moses, mentioned more than any other human being. And then Abraham is mentioned third out of all the people in the Bible. He is talked about more than any other except for Jesus and Moses, which tells us that what God says about Abraham is very important because he mentions him so much. So we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham, learning to live by faith. This is a series of messages that God wants to use in our church to prepare us again for what he has coming for us down the road. So I hope you'll be able to join us. Seven o'clock in the cafeteria, we have obviously things for our youth that night, things for our children that night. The whole family can come and be a part of our Wednesday night uh, here at Basha High School. First John chapter 3 this morning, beginning at verse 24, we're going to look this morning at the Holy Spirit in the letter of John this morning, 1 John chapter 3. Next week, we will conclude our series on the Holy Spirit, looking at the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation, so that we see from beginning to end in the Bible, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is front and center. But this morning, I want to begin with this. You'll notice at the very end of verse 24 of 1 John chapter 3, John says this, We know that God resides in us by the Spirit he has given us. We could just stop right there, and we could ponder that truth, that thought, for the next, oh, few hours, and, and still not begin to wrap our minds around it. When we think about the fact that as mere mortals, as mere human beings, the God of the universe lives in us. Do you know that this morning? God lives in you. God lives in you. As we said at the beginning of this series on the Holy Spirit, if, if Bethlehem sort of sing, signals that, you know, God is with us, Emmanuel, and Calvary, Jesus dying on the cross, certainly symbolizes and, and, and tells us that God is for us, then Pentecost tells us that God wants to also be in us. He literally wants to dwell inside of us. How does that all happen? How does that take place? I, I don't have all the answers to that. I don't think any of us do. But we've got to accept by faith that God resides in us by his Holy Spirit. Then if you go back to 1 John chapter 2, John says about the residing of the Holy Spirit in us that this is God anointing us. 
Notice he says in verse 20 of 1 John 2, nevertheless, you, not just a certain group of people, not just a few spiritual elites, but any Christian who's accepted Christ as their Savior, you and I now have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Notice up in verse 27 of the very same chapter, he says, Now as for you, the anointing that you have received from him resides in you. That's how we know he's talking here about the presence of the Holy Spirit who's taken up residence in us. What does it mean that we have an anointing from God through the Holy Spirit? Again, something that not just a few Christians have, something that every Christian has, because if you have the Lord as your Savior, if you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, then the Bible says also you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Therefore, you and I have an anointing from God. Well, primarily... It is telling us that God is hands-on, involved in our lives. You see, when, when people were anointed, when God led people to anoint people, it was so that they could literally lay their hands on someone and, and sort of affirm or commission them to do something that God was calling them to do. And many times, too, it would be accompanied by applying oil, which obviously in the Bible we have seen is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The significance isn't really in the oil or in what it may be applied. It's more in the fact that, that the hands were laid and placed on this person. So when God says, you have an anointing from me through the indwelling Holy Spirit, he's basically reminding us, I'm hands-on in your life. I'm not a God who's detached. I'm not a God who is distant. I'm a God who placed myself in the third person of the Trinity right inside of you. Therefore, I go through everything you go through. I feel everything you feel. Even though at times, even as Christians, we may think God is really far away and, and he doesn't hear me and he doesn't care and he doesn't know what's going on, the Bible simply teaches us something far different, that we have been anointed and God is all in with us because he lives inside of us and he is very much hands-on in every detail of our lives. That's what it means to have an anointing by God. Now, you and I sort of understand this even because throughout my life uh, in the church and around other Christians, you've even heard people, I've heard, I've even said it to myself, when you even see someone maybe using their spiritual gift or, or maybe living their life or the, the way they're doing something, you and I maybe sit back and go, God's hand is upon them. You, you've heard that term, right? That's sort of what we're saying here, that in a sense, I can identify that God's hand is on them at that moment, that he's hands-on, that it's not really them who's doing it or performing it or whatever. It's, it's God who's working through them. Well, again, this is open to any Christian. What John is saying here isn't saying, now just a certain type of Christian has an anointing from God. No, plural. All of you who know Christ as your Savior, you have an anointing from God, and God is very hands-on then with you. He is very involved in each and every detail of our lives because he chose 
not just to die for us, but then to live as God within each of us. So there's nothing that you and I go through that the Holy Spirit doesn't go through and experience as well. Now, with that said, I want to share with you four things today out of 1 John of what that really means to us in a practical way. How does that translate that, that God is hands-on with me through the Holy Spirit? How relevant is that to my everyday Christian life? Well, stay there in 1 John chapter 2 and notice again over in verse 27 what he says. It is through this hands-on involvement of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit then ultimately is our teacher who teaches us. Now, as for you, the anointing that you have received from him resides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things that we need to know, it is true and it is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, you reside in him. If you go back over to verse 21, notice I have not written to you that you do not know the truth, but that you do know it. How do we know? Through the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. He's our ultimate teacher. It's not that God doesn't call pastors teachers to be teachers. That's not what this means when it says no one, you have no need for anyone. It just simply means at the end of it all, we don't rely on human beings to, to help us understand and know and grasp and comprehend the truth. That is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Even when a human being is teaching others, it is through the agency of the Holy Spirit that all this is getting done and, and coming to, to be understood. So then he goes on to say in verse 22, and who is the liar but the person who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the person who denies the Father and the Son. Everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either. The person who confesses the Son has the Father also. Again, what's all this mean and how does it tie in to the Holy Spirit being hands-on with us through teaching us? Well, because it is through his hands-on with us that you and I can know the truth. The truth. The truth that Jesus said to his followers will set you free. The only way you and I experience true freedom as God wants us to experience it is when you and I are allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us the things that we need to know, the truth of God. And notice here in this context, John is even boiling it down to the truth that you and I need to know about Jesus Christ. Because he's saying, you can get everything else in your life right, but if you get it wrong about Jesus, you will suffer eternal loss. Opposite of that is true. There can be a lot of stuff we don't get right, but if we get it right about Jesus Christ, we will experience eternal bliss with God. And you think about it. When you start to think about how many human beings from even the Garden of Eden that had been born on this earth had maybe a lot of other things figured out in their mind, but they didn't get it right about Jesus. And the Bible's basically saying, you can have a lot of stuff going right in your life, but if you don't get it right about Jesus, it's not going to matter in the end. 
a million years from now, 10 million years from now, as we go through eternity, all those things that you figured out that you had right, except nailing down who Jesus Christ is, it won't matter. So, why does God give us the anointing of his Holy Spirit? First of all, so that he can teach us every day the truth that you and I need to know. That's what he's saying in verse 20. Notice, you have an anointing, Christian, from the Holy One, and you all know. And then he stops. Why? Because it's the, anything that you and I need to know, the Holy Spirit will make sure that we know. That's why you and I can have confidence even as we live each day. Because if, if, if there's something that we truly need to know, the God who lives within us will make it very plain and very evident. And even in our experience of living life, if somehow we may missed it the first time, don't worry, Holy Spirit will bring it back around. You've been there and I've been there, where it becomes pretty almost comical, if you will, almost obvious that if we continue to either ignore the teaching of the Holy Spirit on something or we're just not getting it, that it seems like then at every turn, every song that we hear, every passage of Scripture, every Christian conversation we have, it always comes back to the same thing. And then you go, okay, God, I get it. I, I, I see it now. And that's why God wants us to live with that kind of confidence because he literally is so hands-on that he placed the greatest teacher in the universe, God himself, inside of us so that we don't have to always rely on some outside source to know the truth that you and I need to know. He can bubble it up from within. He can bring it to mind from within. He can shine his light on it from within. Within And there's no better teacher that you and I will ever have to understand and know the things that we need to know in order to be truly free in this life and to really know who Jesus Christ is and to nail it down than the hands-on teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, notice in 1 John chapter 5, another hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit is testifying. Notice at the middle of verse 6 of 1 John 5, it starts out this way, and the Spirit is the one who testifies. The word means to confirm by testimony or continue to give evidence because the Spirit is the truth, a trustworthy witness. Then he goes on to say, for there are three, 1 John 5, 7, that testify, that can bring to light or confirm something. They are the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are literally one. They bear a consistent witness to who? To Jesus Christ. See, verse 6 at the beginning, Jesus Christ is the one who came by water and blood, and not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. What's all this mean? Well, again, let's go back to what it means to testify. The Holy Spirit is hands-on in our life, not only to teach us, but to testify to us every day about who Jesus Christ is and to continue to confirm and assure us of who Jesus Christ is. And that goes on even after I come to know him as my Savior. We'll talk about why in just a moment. 
But I want to just talk for a moment, too, about these three witnesses. You see, in the Bible, God said that I'll even, in a sense, condescend to, to humanity that even if I said it once, that should have been enough. I'm God, but I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll go the extra mile. I'm going to pile up evidence after evidence about who my son Jesus Christ is. So the father not only gave one witness, the father gave a multiplicity of consistent witnesses to confirm throughout the earthly life of Jesus that he really was the Messiah, the Son of God. And in these three witnesses, the Spirit himself, the water and the blood, you have the three witnesses that basically encompass the very beginning of the earthly ministry of Jesus, takes us all the way through that ministry, all the way to the end, because I believe that the water here symbolizes the, the testimony at his baptism. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the water, the dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit fell from heaven and lit above Jesus. And then they heard this voice from heaven saying, this is my one and only son, listen to him. It was God confirming and assuring he's the real deal. He's God, he's the Messiah, follow him, listen to him. There is no one else. He's the one. Then the Spirit, all the way through the earthly ministry of Jesus, led and guided him. Not that Jesus needed that. Jesus is God himself. Jesus, but when Jesus came as a human being, Jesus laid aside the independent use of his divine attributes because he wanted to show us while he was here on earth as 100% man how you and I as mere human beings should live. And so he did it by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Luke records that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power during his earthly ministry. You see, even though Jesus could have done the miracles that he did and, and all the things that he did on his own, when he came as a human being... He didn't lay aside his deity. He simply added his humanity. And as a human being, he wanted to show us, because one day you and I were going to have to learn what does it mean to live by the Spirit of God. So that's why Jesus lived the way he did. That's why he allowed the Spirit to lead him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's why you see the Bible telling us that while Jesus was on earth, he would follow the Spirit here and follow the Spirit there. Because he wanted to show us that's how human beings should live. So throughout his earthly life, the miracles that he did, the, the signs and wonders and all of that were done through the Spirit. So the Spirit testified. And then the blood. I believe the blood is, is sort of summarizing for us his sacrifice on the cross. Because you want to talk about evidence that God gave during the crucifixion, let's start with the supernatural darkness. Remember, Jesus was crucified in the middle of the day, and the Bible tells us that during that day, God sent a supernatural darkness over the land. It was darker than, than any storm could make it dark. 
Then the Bible says there was this Roman centurion at the foot of the cross who, while Jesus was being crucified, he literally was so overwhelmed at what he was seeing and the words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth. What does he say as a testimony? Surely or truly, this man is what? The Son of God. Then the Bible tells us that wasn't the end. Then the Bible tells us when Jesus gave up his spirit that literally the veil, this huge, heavy veil, was literally torn from the top to the bottom in the Jewish temple. Folks, that didn't happen by accident. That was God saying, now that my son has shed his blood as a propitiation for, for your sin, the way into the holiest of holies is now open. You now have access to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that veil was torn in two. Doesn't stop there. Do you know what else the Bible says happened while Jesus was being crucified? The Bible says that there were many Christians who had died, who rose from the dead, who came into Jerusalem and were walking around. Now think about that. People knew that these people had died. I mean, some of these people were family members. They were friends. It's like they're just walking down Jerusalem, and all of a sudden they go, uh, aren't you dead? <laughs> yeah, I was, but God resurrected me so that I could come back and confirm who Jesus Christ is. I mean, you think about the evidence. That's what blows my mind today is there are people, God hasn't, he never gave us enough evidence he, he never gave us enough for us to believe who Jesus really is. You're just ignoring the great pile of evidence that Jesus gave throughout history of who Jesus really was. Now, the reason I say that this has application for you and I today is go down to verse 11 of 1 John 5. And this is the testimony. See, the Holy Spirit is testifying, right? He's, he's confirming by his testimony. He's giving evidence all the time, proving who Jesus really is. Why? Because God has given you and I eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Well, yeah, Pastor, I know that. That means when I accepted Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. I don't need the Spirit to continue to testify of who Jesus is to me. I know, I know he's the Son of God. I know he's the Messiah. Okay, then here's the question. Are you experiencing eternal life? See, you and I may have eternal life. We may possess it. But how many Christians are really enjoying and experiencing the life that they have in the Son? You see, you and I can possess a lot of things in our life, and yet it never really does makes much of a difference. We sort of slide it to the side. It's sort of out there on the fringe. It's like, think about our, our garages. Think of all the things that we possess we just sort of store away in our garage. It never really is something that we interact with and makes any difference in our life every day, but it's ours. And that's why the Holy Spirit needs to testify all the time about Jesus. Why? Because you and I, even as Christians, forget the life, all that we need is found in the Son. Anything that we need can be found in Jesus. Our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our joy, everything that we need, all the wisdom that we need, anything that we need, it can be found in Jesus. Well, when you and I begin to look outside of Jesus for anything, the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 come back to Jesus. He's all you need. 
Keep looking at him. Keep centering your life around him. Then what do we do as Christians? We try to, no, no, I'm going out here to find fulfillment and satisfaction. I'm going out, out, I'm going over here to find happiness. And the Holy Spirit keeps pulling us back. That's what it means to testify. No, Jeff, don't do that. Find what you need in Jesus Christ. He's all you need. Your eternal life is found in a person. That person is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Experience and enjoy the life that you possess. That's why Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many Christians are really, if you're honest, how many Christians are really on a daily basis experiencing and enjoying abundant life? Maybe not as many as should. And why is that? Because we've sort of went outside of the Son in whom everything we need will be found to try to find the things that we can only find in the Son. And that's why God gave us the hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit living within us to testify all the time and get us pointed back to Jesus. Because even as a Christian, I can begin to live outside of Jesus or apart from Jesus, trying to find what I want or what I need outside of him. There's another reason why God gave us the hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. It was so that we can test the spirits to determine if they are from God, to distinguish truth from error. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, examine them, scrutinize them to determine or distinguish if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this was 2,000 years ago. John is basically saying, you realize that all these human beings that you're listening to, even if they claim to be from God, even if they claim to be speaking from God, not all of them are. So you and I need a spiritual radar, if you will, system in our life that, that is totally reliable. So, something or someone in our life that can help us to determine what's from God and what's not. Guess who that is primarily? The Holy Spirit who lives within us. See, when you and I are listening to things, when we tune into the Holy Spirit, we will either get an amen from the Holy Spirit, yeah, that's right, that's good, that lines up with God, or it's like, oh, no, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's not what God said. See, that's how you and I can test things. Now, yeah, we can use the Word of God, but doesn't the Holy Spirit use the Word of God too? Absolutely he does. Notice he goes on to say, by this you know you will perceive or discern the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus as the Christ who's come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which notice what he says. It's not only coming, it's now already here. And John said that 2,000 years ago. See, many Christians today, well, you know, the, the Antichrist isn't quite here yet. Yeah, but the Bible told us 2,000 years ago the spirit of the Antichrist was present on this earth. And it's still present. And the message of the spirit of the Antichrist that opposes Christ, that is against Christ, that is instead of Christ, has always been out there in the world. It's just getting worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes. Notice verse 5. They are from the world, these false prophets. Therefore, they speak from the world's perspective, and the world listens to them. We are from God. The person who knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. Wow. 
Notice three times in that passage there, John says there's all kinds of things to be aware of. There's the spirit of the Antichrist. There's the world's perspective. There's the spirit of deceit. It's all out there. So many voices, so many people speaking. How, God, can I distinguish? How can I know what's coming from you and what's not? I hear Christians ask this question all the time. How can I know what God's will is? That's one of the big ones. Well, guess what? He gave us his spirit hands-on inside of us to be able to test and know what's from God and what's not from God. And when you and I learn to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and listen to the voice of the Spirit and be in tune with the Spirit, you and I will be great at being able to discern and perceive and distinguish and determine between what's truth and what's error, what's coming from God and what's coming from some other spirit other than God. That's another reason why God gave us the hands-on ministry of the Spirit within us. Not just to teach us, not just to testify, but also to test. But there's one more I want to leave you with this morning. God gave us the hands-on ministry of the Spirit so that you and I could be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at verse 4 of 1 John 4, very familiar verse. You are from God, little children and have conquered them, the false prophets and false teachers out there in the world, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Notice John's not saying that you and I as Christians have already conquered the world, but because the one who is living in us is greater than even the one who lives in the world. Who's he talking about? Look at 1 John 5, 19. John says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, the devil, Satan. And that's sort of a creepy picture. <laughs> Even for a Christian, you know what that means? It means literally that the world is sort of just lying down like they would a couch or a recliner into the arms of Satan, and they don't even know it. They don't even know the spiritual danger and deceit and deception that they are living under because that's the world. That's what it, When you and I reject the truth of God, guess whose arms we're residing in? We're residing in the arms of the devil himself and his worldly antichrist philosophy of living life and what life is all about. And that's a, that's a creepy picture. But notice what John said to the Christian, to everyone here today who knows Christ as their Savior and again has the hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, guess what? You conquered. Why? Because the one who lives in you is greater than. See, God not only wants to teach us and testify to us and, and have us have a, a test in our life that can distinguish and determine. God wants us to live as overcomers, as those who prevail over the obstacles against us and the challenges that come our way. God wants us to be victorious. Notice how this is over and over again in the thoughts of John through the Holy Spirit. Go over to chapter 5, verse 4. Everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world. This is the conquering power that has conquered the world, our faith. Now, who is the person who has conquered the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
over and over again, he says, God wants you to be more than conquerors. Well, that can only happen when you and I have the Holy Spirit living within us. Why? Because back to 1 John 4, 4, not because we're greater than, but because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Let me talk for a moment about this word greater, and then we'll close. The word greater means that God is superior in every way to everything. It means that God holds the highest rank in the universe. There is nothing more powerful, there's nothing stronger, there's nothing greater than God. And so notice what John is saying. That greater than God lives in you and me. Therefore, nothing that you and I will ever face is greater than God. So I ask you today, my friend, my brothers and sisters in Christ, who or what is troubling you right now in your life? And you know what God would want us to say? I'm greater than that. I'm greater than them. And because I live within you, you can conquer that. You can overcome them. You can prevail over that. Because there's nothing that you and I will ever face that's greater than God who lives within us. And because he's with us at all times, there's never a time when we can't not be a conqueror over anything because there's not a time where we don't have the one who's greater than anything else in the universe who's not with us. So tomorrow, when you start another week, I want these four words to just so dwell in your heart and mind that you live every day this coming week with these four words. God is greater than. God is greater than. So that whatever comes your way this week, you remind yourself and the Spirit brings to your mind, God is greater than that. And because God is greater than that, I can have victory because the one who is greater than, guess what, lives in where? In you and me. In you and me. This is the portrait of the Holy Spirit in the letter of 1 John. We have an anointing, my friends, an anointing that means that God is hands-on with our life. He teaches us. He testifies to us. He tests the things that are out there in the world so that we can know what's from God and what's not, and he's in us so that nothing can subdue us except his own power, so that nothing can trouble us, so that nothing can be greater than us because the one who's greater than lives in us. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. God, I pray today that the realization of your greatness, of your magnificence, of who you really are, and then that you live inside of me every day. That that, that would become just something that would not only be so real, but so practical in my life. That everyone that I face, everything that I face, 
is not greater than the one who lives in me. And so often, God, we confess that even as your followers, we give over power to some other thing or someone else in our life that is nowhere near greater than you. And you are asking us today to take that back, to take that ground back, to take that territory back that we have relinquished to something that stands opposed to you because nothing in this universe is greater than you. And because you live within us, nothing should be greater than than that for us in our lives too. Help us to take it back, God. Help us to make a stand like never before. The one who created a universe that is so vast that even with all of our modern technology, we can't even begin to understand how vast it is. That's the God that lives within us. The God who created one sun, our sun, just one of many stars that is so hot, so powerful, so brilliant that we can't even look at it. That, that we can't get so close to it. That, and yet, Lord, that's just a fraction of the power of you. And yet, God, you, with that power, lives within us every day. Oh, God, would you take the scales off of our eyes? Would you help us to see the God who truly lives within us and help us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us? These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.